0: Before diving in, I've got a few announcements. All for all of you brave souls on Father's Day. Um, We uh, in in the when you came in, you got a program with connection card in it. Um, We've got some stuff coming up this summer. Definitely want to be, or we want to make sure that you're included in the communication, getting emails, announcements, that kind of a thing. You can download our app uh, as well by searching We Are Restore on your app store. And we do announcements through the app and, and push no- notifications every once in a while so that you're in the loop. Uh, among those things, tonight and tomorrow night, we have our neighborhood collectives meeting. So we have dinner, we have discussion, we have prayer. They Tonight's meets at the living room at 6.30. Tomorrow night's meets at the Howard's home. If you're interested in either one of those, you can write that on your connection card. We also started our ESL workshop for our friends in City of Refuge. So this group of Central and South American refugees... Who are seeking asylum in the U.S.? Um, they are very beginning level English. You do not need to speak Spanish to help out. So we started teaching English. We're gonna we're gonna do a four week workshop to start off. We started week one this last Wednesday night. We had 25 refugees show up, and it was an amazing start to helping them restart their lives here in the United States. Uh, we have around six to eight teachers each week. But if you want to jump in on that. You can come any Wednesday. You don't have to come to all of them. So if you want to dive in, we meet at the living room, 7 p.m. to 8, 45 p.m. every Wednesday night uh, to do English lessons for this beautiful group of people. July 14th, we have an RC team dinner and scavenger hunt. So if you serve on Kid City or Environment Team or you're interested, and I shouldn't state that. You're interested. I know you are in serving in Kid City or Environment Team. And if you're not signed up yet, that would be a great event for you to come to. We're going to have dinner for our team members. We're going to talk about what it looks like to serve in those areas and how we hope to expand those offerings and, and kind of the vision of where we're headed for the rest of 2019, in particular the fall. And we're going to have child care, and then the adults are going to go out and have some fun. We're going to do a scavenger hunt around downtown Silver Spring. Um, and then speaking of teams, like Carrie mentioned, our kids city, uh, our elementary kids are going to be joining us for the summer, hanging out in our worship gathering with us. And then June 30th, we are having a Sabbath Sunday. We are not meeting for worship gathering here on June 30th, that, that Sunday we will not meet in celebration of kind of the 4th of July coming up. So that's about it. Diving in. Um, growing up, I thought my brother Matt had the supernatural spiritual gift of luck. Everything he did worked. He wanted everything. Like when we would buy the newest like Super Mario Brothers game, he would just stumble into all the secret passages and have the game beaten by the first night. It would take me months to figure out this game. Um, he's the kind of kid that we would go into the grocery store and put a quarter into the gumball machine. He would get two gumballs instead of just one. It was that kind of luck that happened throughout our childhood. He was telling me a story recently. Um, this happened just a few months ago. He went on this golf outing, this like golf weekend with seven other guys, eight guys playing golf all weekend long. In the midst of their golfing, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but they came upon this really big hill of grass and the grass was really wet and they started daring each other to see who could run up the hill uh, because it was so steep. Everybody thought, oh, I could be the guy that, that does it barefoot. So they take their shoes and socks off and run up this hill barefoot. Every guy made it like halfway up the hill and slide back down. And Matt was just watching him. He didn't participate. And then he was just making fun of him. And one guy said, oh, yeah, well, I'll give you $100 if you can do it. Takes his shoes and socks off. First try, up the hill, $100. bucks. i am like, of course you would win at something that's as silly as that. If there's something, luck or money on the line, he's going to win. And I remember once we went to a card shop when we were kids. And we each bought a pack of basketball cards. And we started opening right there. My brother opens up, this is 1992, so this is the rookie season of Shaquille O'Neal, who's a big deal, a okay, Hall of Famer. He opens up the pack and has a Shaquille O'Neal rookie beam team card worth hundreds of dollars. The shop owner sees us open and he goes, I'll give you $300 for that card right now, like instantly. And I was like, what? And $300 to a 10-year-old? That's like, you're set for life. Like, that's all I need. I'm good. I don't even need a career path. Um, I, can't, I honestly can't remember if he sold it to the guy or not. My dad was with us, and I think my dad was like, wait wait a second, what's happening here? And then, So I'm a big Cubs fan. Matt's also a Cubs fan. The Cubs have had this long, storied history of losing and terrible luck. I mean, awful luck in circumstances, believed to be a curse. And in 2016, they went to the World Series. They hadn't been since 1948. They had not won a World Series in well over 100 years. So I decide I'm going to go to game one of the World Series. They're playing the Cleveland Indians. I spend a lot of money on this ticket. And Carrie encouraged me to go. Um, I go with my dad. The Cubs lose. All right, game one of the World Series. But they make a miraculous comeback, and they tie the series at three games apiece. Going into a game seven in Cleveland, my brother calls me. You want to go to game seven? Let's get tickets. Come on, let's go. And I'm like, man, I really want to go. But then I started thinking about... My luck. And I started thinking about, I started adding up the times I had seen the Cubs in the playoffs. I had not seen the Cubs win in person since 2003. And I was thinking, if I'm in that stadium, they're going to lose. Like, that's the kind of impact I have on this team. And then I started thinking, but if Matt's in that stadium and I'm not there, the Cubs will win. And they did. He went to, get, he went to the game. I stayed home. The Cubs won the World Series. This is the kind of stuff that happens with my brother, just seems to have this supernatural gift of luck. I don't believe in that, but it's fun to kind of imagine that. He just seems to be the kind of person that you would never want to bet anything against or try any kind of game of chance because he's going to win. Now, I don't believe in luck. I guess I believe in chance, but there are some gifts that we have as human beings that are natural, all right, that that are biological and even genetic. Many of us have different talents or different areas of expertise that just seem to organically manifest themselves in our lives, and we usually kind of realize these at certain points in our life and invest in them in some way, shape, or form. But there's also more than that. There is giftedness that's unexplained, that lies within each person who has the Holy Spirit, there's something happening in the New Testament that reveals this. There's a like a supernatural thread that runs through the New Testament. And over the coming weeks of June and July, we're going to like pull that thread and just kind of see keep pulling and see where it leads us it, because there's a thread of like power and gifting and we've never talked about it in Restore Church before. And honestly, in many churches, they don't talk about it. It's a thread that's never pulled on. Many think that these supernatural gifts are extinct or uh, have had their time in the past, but we believe they are alive and well and we're going to dust them off and consider what the gifts are, how they are used, what they are for, and how do we make them shine with brilliance because what we've been given is we've got a brilliant God who has given us brilliant gifts to use and they are meant to be used and to shine for his glory. So that's where we're headed over the coming six weeks. We're going to work our way through these different passages and scriptures that talk about the spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual gifts. And the gifts are complementary. They're meant to fit together like a puzzle. And when we do this, when we activate these gifts and we embrace the gifts that we realize that we have, it's a truly empowering movement that follows. And we become an even more, uh, beautiful picture of who jesus is as a community so we're going to start with first corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 6 this is paul writing a letter to the church in corinth he says there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service but the same lord there are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone it is the same god at work Dallas Willard said, a spiritual gift is a particular function in which supernatural power is exercised. And I saw this just this past week. I was talking about the English classes that we are doing for uh, Spanish-speaking refugees. I saw, uh, I had a moment um, that night where I was sitting with Lee. Lee's not here today, but Lee has had some experience with ESL. He speaks multiple languages. And we just happened to be partnered up for this one particular exercise where we were using flashcards. And we just had three flashcards showing three different human emotions. And we were teaching these three different words. I think it was happy, sad, and tired. And we were just teaching those three words. Very simple exercise. Lee led the way, and he just dove in. And for a moment, I just got to sit and watch him do his thing. And I've sat in in a teaching environment A lot, all right? I was a teacher. I'm teaching today. I've seen other people teach probably in the thousands I've been in a kind of a teaching environment. Many of us have experienced that. We've all been in teaching environments where you've seen an unskilled teacher teaching unwilling students, all right? Is there a more horrible environment to be in? (laughs) It's rough. We've been in environments where there's a skilled teacher teaching unwilling students, and that's still challenging. We've been in environments where there is a skilled teacher and willing students, and that is a truly special occurrence, it was even more than that Wednesday night, because what I saw was a supernatural gifting in Lee, teaching willing students, and there was something more than just three words being shared, it was so much more than happy, sad, and tired, the enthusiasm, and the way that he was engaging each and every person, he wasn't engaging the group, it was like he was looking at, into like the the heart and the mind of each student in our small group. And you could just see them, like, just like, like it was like this, uh, it was just supernatural. It was just unexplainable, like this lifting of joy and happiness and comfort and all these different, like, fears that they might have about learning the English language, about being accepted. They, you could just see those start to melt away and the joy and the excitement of learning three words. And it was all because someone like Lee, who had a supernatural gift of teaching took it to another, the the Holy Spirit takes it to another level. Because when love gets thrown into the mix, something unexplainable happens. It's immeasurable, but you know it when you see it. You know what I'm talking about? We've all seen that happen, where we're like, okay, this looks normal on the surface, but we can feel like something else powerful is happening right now. And Paul's letter continues, and he reveals more, about the nature of these spiritual gifts. So I'm going to read the rest of, of, of uh, chapter 12 here. Now to each one, of them, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking, and different different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, do I not belong to the body? It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the whole body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul's pretty repetitive there. But I think he's trying to get through the minds of the church in Corinth. They were facing all kinds of like divisive, divisiveness and problems in the church. And he's trying to get through, of like, you guys are one body, made up of many parts with many different spiritual giftings. So to summarize what Paul has revealed about spiritual gifts here, first, spiritual gifts aren't inherently natural. They are not natural. But they are given as an empowerment by the Holy Spirit. They are not possible by mere natural effort. They are distributed by the Holy Spirit. So, like, you go back and look at Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, and you look at creation and the narrative of how God perfectly ordered the universe. Spiritual gifts are not in there. It's not mentioned because they weren't needed at that time. They they are not part of, like, biology and genetics and organization. These are supernatural gifts designed to bring earth and humanity back into balance with God the Father. All right, they are given to humanity only after the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ because Christ left and gave us his spirit. His last words on earth were, I'm here, I'm sending my spirit, for surely I will be with you always through the very end of the age. And it's through this gift of the spirit that we are given these different spiritual gifts, which means if they aren't natural, their discovery will most likely occur by a supernatural experience. This simply means something beyond the normal, measurable experience. And if we all think hard enough, I'll bet you have experienced God in this way before. And if you haven't, I hope you will soon, because it does happen. Second, Paul reveals why they exist. In summation of the verses in chapter 12, they exist for the growth and the health of the church. And it's important we think of the church as a movement and not an institution or a place. Uh, It's a community of people on movement together. So later in his letter to Corinth, he reveals another reason that these spiritual gifts are given. So in chapter 14, he reveals that they exist to bring more people into relationship with Christ. This is what he says in verses 24 and 25. But if all of you are prophesying, prophesying is one of the spiritual gifts we're going to get into over the coming weeks, And unbelievers, or people who don't understand these things, come into your meeting. They will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring, God is truly here among you. All right? That's another reason we have spiritual gifts, is so that more people will come to know Christ through these gifts being exercised. Third, he emphasizes that the gifts should not be neglected or compete with one another. He also alludes to the fact that you may have gifts that you don't necessarily desire. All right? You have that before? Like, are you good at cleaning toilets? Does anybody desire that? I mean, you can think of another example. But we have gifts. Like, I wish I wasn't good at this. Um, There's many times, coaching baseball, where I wish I could just be a parent sitting in the stands and just cheering for my son. But usually, I'm in the dugout coaching. And sometimes I'm like, I wish I had no clue what I was talking about. And I could just sit out there and clap. Like, yay. We all have those gifts that maybe we don't desire. And this is why Paul takes the focus off the individual. And he consistently reminds the Corinthians, these gifts are given for the communal good. Right? Recognizing and activating your spiritual gifts is an act of submission to the authority and the goodness of the Holy Spirit. This is like... Not quite at the level, but this is kind of the the direction that Jesus takes us when he's in the garden and he's asking for God to take the cup of suffering away from him. Like, I don't want to die on the cross. Take this away from me. But he says, not my will, but your will be done. That's what we do with our gifts. We submit to the point of even discomfort and pain because the Holy Spirit has given us these for a reason. So don't be surprised if you are actually reluctant to exercise the gifts that the Holy Spirit's given you. It's like when you ask Ian Howard to do like a Michael Caine or Michael McDonald impersonation on command and he won't do it. He's clearly gifted. He just needs to exercise this gift more often. Neglecting the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, And all serious serious, and so in regards to our spiritual gift, there's always a combination of pride, of insecurity, uh, maybe a lack of self-awareness. And then there's also spiritual attack. And that's present around all of us and in all of us in different levels at different times. And it can cause spiritual gifting to be ignored and unused. In fact, I would say the more beauty and wholeness your sacred gifting brings to the church and to the world, the harder it will be for you to exercise it. You will face more resistance from your ego or your insecurity or even spiritual attack the more that God wants it to be released. Now, in Restore, for years we've talked about this concept of the fivefold uh, gifting, and it's based on a different letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter four. The fivefold is a different uh, entity than the spiritual gifting we're talking about here with the Holy Spirit. Yet they go together. And for the sake of understanding this, I want to go through the fivefold real briefly. So Paul writes in Ephesians four. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church: the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. The pastors and the teachers, five, that's what we call the fivefold, five different giftings, he says. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So an analogy I commonly use to describe the fivefold is a mountain climbing analogy. So the apostles are the type of people that are sitting around with their friends and they're like, hey, let's go climb a mountain. They're the ones that have a crazy idea and they'll take off running and don't care if anybody's going to follow. And they're an idea machine. They're visionaries. They're dreamers. The prophets will go with the apostle. They are also risk-takers and, and and like will be out on the frontier. But they are more discerning. They will say, wait a second. Let's climb that mountain. And they'll do it based on very little research, more of a gut, intuitive feeling. They have a lot of wisdom and discernment. Evangelists are the networkers. They... Want to climb the mountain, but they also want to see how many people we can get to climb up the mountain with us. So they're going to try to like rally all these people to go on this mountain climbing adventure. The teachers are going to slow everybody down in order to strategize. Uh, They want to find a strategy up the mountain, a map. They're going to make a supply list. Excel will be involved. There will be a plan. All right, and we need to plot out like the coolest parts of the mountain to see on the way up and on the way down, and then the the pastors are the people that are going to make sure no one gets hurt, no one gets left behind, no one is um, neglected. All right. So those are the five personalities that Paul's talking in Ephesians 4. A good way to think of these is a ministry or a calling. All right, think of fivefold as a ministry. Think of spiritual gifts as a tool in the hand of a minister. All right? So that's how they fit together. Now, finally, what are the spiritual gifts? Because we're going to unlock them over the coming weeks, and there's a lot of them. There's more than five. Um, scripture mentions 24 different spiritual gifts. Here's, here, here they are. We're going to just lay them out there, and I'm not, I'm not going to define them today. Exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, service, administration, apostleship, discernment, faith, healing, helping, knowledge, miracles, Prophecy, teaching, tongues, interpretation, wisdom, celibacy, the spiritual gift that no one wants. Hospitality, martyrdom. Okay, that one's worse. Voluntary poverty, craftsmanship, and then creative communication. These are sprinkled throughout many different books of the New Testament. And we're going to dive in. We're not going to spend 26 or 24 weeks talking about the 24 different spiritual gifts. We're going to group them together. But over the coming weeks, we're going to dive into these. What are they? How do they relate to the church? How do they relate to your friendships, kids? How do they relate to you as, in a, as a classmate in, in your school, your workplace, your marriage, your neighborhood? And if you want to get a head start, you could Google spiritual gifts test. There's so many free ones out there that you could take online and maybe get a feel for what you what you think you, what spiritual gifts you might have. I don't think that's the best way to do it. Um, I actually think people who know you the best, like Christians who have the Holy Spirit and know you well, I'd be curious to see what they say about you in regards to your spiritual gifting. But this summer, I'm going to pray and we're going to speak about and and, and hopefully realize or rediscover our spiritual gifts together and that we would either start or restart exercising them and that by this fall, we would see our church's impact and fruitfulness grow exponentially. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing one more song.